Good morning, church. Good morning, online family. It's good to be here, just to be able to share God's word with you. My name is Nikki, and it's so amazing to see some, amazing, some faces I haven't seen for a while here. Uh, welcome to the Davids family at the back there. So, <laughs> Mitch, it's been a while. Good to see you. So, before we go into the word, I'm just really grateful for God for what he's done. Uh, the worship was just amazing, really impacted. And um, as we're praying for strongholds in our nation, we're praying for our community, we're praying across, one would think, what difference is it making? Such a big nation. we here. What difference are we making in government? Maybe let's just do the formalities and sing along or pray along, does it make a difference? Immediately what came into my mind was Jeremiah, where the Lord says, do not say, I'm only a child. Do not say, I'm only a small voice. Do not say, we're a little church, West Coast somewhere in Cape Town. What difference are we making? Nobody even knows maybe we exist out in Polokwane or ever. The Lord says, do not say that. Do not say that. It is him who is going to enlarge. It is him who's going to make sure that his word performs. We just have to be faithful. Amen. Amen. Every stronghold will come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. <laughs> Praise God. I just want us to go into that. Every high thing shall come down. Go for it. He's the worshiper. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we just want to declare that everything we've prayed for, everything we've believed, it shall take place. Because you are the God who makes miracles, who performs wonders, signs, and miracles as we believe, as we worship you. We will thank you, Father God. It is not what we can do. It is not in our words. It is not in our songs. It is in the power of the resurrected Christ. It is in the power and the authority of the King who is seated on the throne. You wear the victor's crown. You overcome. You overcome. Every stronghold must come down.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Anton. Powerful. God's amazing. God's good. Everything he did wasn't for him. He doesn't need it. We do. He did it for his sons and daughters. But sons from a concept of inheritance. Sons from a concept of heritage. Position. This morning my message is called and sent. And I would like to speak to us just from a couple of scriptures and just encourage us from that. We've been hearing some amazing messages, powerful. Pastor Dennis spoke about calling the, the vineyard master who went out and called uh, people to come and work because the work is plentiful, but because he's compassionate and he doesn't want anybody standing there and missing out because he wants everybody to come in and to be able to partake of the blessings. And Anton and uh, Daniel spoke last week just about how sometimes it's difficult for us to go out on our own, uh, but together we're stronger. Together we can do better, we can do more. And just the, 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 the if we can say the energy, just that, that, that carrying each other, strengthening each other that comes around. And I guess scripture says that we two agree on a thing. Not only is there a blessing, but it cannot be stopped. Amen. Amen. And I just want to then speak about when we are called, we are called to be sent. Jesus calls us so he can send us. God calls us so we can be sent. And everybody is called. Every one of us is called. But those who are chosen are the ones who accept the call. Let us accept the call. He calls everybody. But then when we accept the calling, then we are chosen. And when we are chosen, finally after accepting the call, then he empowers us. He fills us with his spirit. He empowers us to go and to do. He fills us to go and to do. To do what? To go where? To go where the Holy Spirit leads us. To do what he does. That's it. To go where he wants us and to do what he wants us to do. Um, just moved even at that testimony of those monks waiting and thinking, wow, Lord, there are people waiting out there. There are people who haven't heard the gospel. And how can they hear except that we go? Let us read the Bible. Open scripture in Numbers chapter 11, verse 16. And in Numbers chapter 11, verse 16, I'll read from the Good News Translation, says, The Lord said to Moses, Assemble 70 respected men who are recognized as leaders of the people. Bring them to me at the tent of my presence and tell them to stand there beside you. I will come down and speak with you. There I will take some of the spirit I have given you and give it to them. Then they can help you to bear the responsibility for these people and you will not have to bear it alone. The Lord, when he calls, he fills us with his spirit. 
He chooses us, he fills us with his Holy Spirit. Or in this case, he puts the Holy Spirit upon them. And when he does this, when the Spirit is poured into our lives, then life gets a little bit more exciting for the individual or for the group of people because then the Holy Spirit leads us. He leads us. He leads us where he wants us to go. But that leading that then takes place is a leading us into a place where we get tested. Before we go into the work, we get tested. Consider a training. We all go to school to be trained before we can just start working. Now we get schooled by the Holy Spirit. And this is confirmed in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. You're more than welcome to go there. But scripture says that now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, didn't go into ministry immediately. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested for 40 days and 40 nights. And also the same thing in Deuteronomy. That I'll read quickly. Uh, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 16. It says, He fed you, or rather, he fed you manna in the wilderness. I'm reading from the Amplified here. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a substance your fathers did not know, so that he might humble you by dependence on him and that he might test you to do good things for you at the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made this wealth. That's in Deuteronomy 8.16. He calls a testing of surrenderedness, if there is such a word as surrenderedness, I hope there is, uh, for us so that we can get to a place where we realize that for us to love, for us to move, for us to, to breathe, for us to be and to perform his works, we need every word, every now word. Every rhema word, that becomes our food and our sustenance for life. Except that, and without that, should we neglect that, the Holy Spirit then is not going to lead us. The Holy Spirit is kind of choosy, if I can use that, that word. He doesn't just occupy any vessel, but every dwelling he does occupy. And the difference is that not all of us, all of us are his dwelling but he doesn't just occupy any dwelling. But he wants to dwell in every dwelling. He wants to dwell in every dwelling. But we go through the test. We go through the, the, the challenges, the wilderness. And some of us may say, but life has been tough. I've been struggling with this thing for a long time. I'm not experiencing change. Hang on. Incline your ear and let him lead you. I think in John 10, scripture says that my sheep knows my voice. My sheep knows my voice. Another they will not follow. He wants us to follow him wherever, however, through whatever circumstance. It may be tough, but scripture is telling us that in spite the wilderness, in spite them being thirsty, them being hungry, it was him testing them 
to bring them to a place of absolute dependence on him and to a place where they can experience the blessings of the Lord. And the blessings of the Lord doesn't just come as spiritual blessings, but what gets unlocked is also physical blessings. Both gets unlocked, the spiritual and the physical. In Jeremiah chapter 1, the Lord is speaking to Jeremiah and he's saying, what do you see? The Lord wants to know what do we see. When he leads us, he wants, us, he wants to know that we can see what he sees. Not what we want to see. Not what we want to dream. Bottom line, put aside your dreams and say, Lord, what is it? Or maybe that sounds a little bit hard. Let's put it another way. Take your dreams and say, Lord, here's my dreams. Make them. Make them. Make them. And if that is maybe not clear enough, is that the prodigal son goes to the father and takes and says, I want to live my own life. I want to be a man of my own stature. I can do it. This is my dream. This is my purpose. I want to establish my own kingdom. But it gets to a point afterwards where he comes back to the father and says, here's my dreams of being Mr. Man. Make me. Make me someone. So we go to the Holy Spirit and to God and say, here's my plans and my dreams. Make me. All right. And when we get to that place where we do see what he sees, he then says, well, now I'm watching over my word to perform it. Now I'm watching over my word to perform it. Leading of the Holy Spirit is to bring us to a reliance of absolute, absolute surrender to him. Where we're so desperate for him, where we know and understand that without him we can do absolutely nothing. And if we go about to do our own thing, it will not be sustained. Because some will say, well, look in the world, people are achieving great things. I, I see that, I live in the world as well. But how much of that is sustained? And if it seems sustained, I'll put it to you in another way. Many of us here experience illnesses, but we stand. But go in the world and see when they are sick, what happens. See when they experience uh, um, poverty, where, where things are, are stripped away from them, what do they do? How many commit suicide? We have hope. Maybe that's enough for us to hold on to. And Moses puts it to us in this way. God, if your spirit does not go with us, I'm not going. I'm not going. How will we be differentiated from every other nation except that your spirit is with us? Accept that your spirit is with us. And Paul also encourages us and says in this way, and he says, we wanted to come and visit you, but the spirit restrained us and he obeyed. He says, we would have come earlier, but the spirit said no. And so we obeyed. We could have come. And at another place, everybody says, listen, Paul, you're going to get killed. Don't go there. Don't go to Jerusalem. Even to the point that the, there were prophetesses, they came and they said, the man who's going to wear this belt is going to go, is going to be arrested, is going to die. But the Spirit compelled Paul and he went. The Spirit. 
And that is the vessel that the Holy Spirit is seeking. That is yielded to the point that he will go even when it seems counterintuitive. The second thing is, which is that full obedience that is birthed out of relationship. The Holy Spirit is seeking relationship. And that relationship is a sonship relationship. When we get to a place of sonship, daughters, yes, you too. Mothers, you too. Sonship. And the sonship is where there's what Christ came to do is to redeem us back to sonship in a place of authority, in a place of an inheritance. And that is culturally and obviously I understand in the world and we're fighting for certain equalities and of which I stand for and Christ came to redeem the position of womanhood and, and I agree with that in 100%. But from a point of inheritance, the inheritance is on the son. God's son. And God wants to redeem us, not from a gender-based point of view, but from a positional point of view, if that makes sense. Hopefully it does. And it is where he wants to lead us, to that place of position, of authority, where when we speak, the gates of hell tremble because the son has spoken through us, Christ Jesus. And that is where he wants to bring us. You know, true sonship is realizing that our labor does not produce sustained power. We can labor, we can do everything, but that does not produce sustained power. I can, I can pray for hours, laboring, but it is realizing who I am. Our labor does not grant us authority either. And they do not give us access to pockets of available resources, no. What does give us all of these things is realizing that sonship, true sonship, trustworthy sons are the ones who inherit these blessings. They're the ones who get to live in these things. Scripture puts it us in this way, that in John chapter 1, verse 12, it's one of my favorite scriptures. And maybe I'll read it. Um, it says, but as many as did receive him and welcome him, he gave them the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. And that is what he's calling us to that is the Amplified again. And it's such a beautiful place for us to be. It is such an amazing place for us to be. You see, the, the people that are led by the Spirit, those are the sons of God. In Romans, we are told. Those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And we are encouraged to look at this and to trust because when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, he empowers us. He empowers us. He backs up. He backs us up. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, 
where we saw Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit, being led and going. Now this is what happens. When he brings us out, he brings us back. He starts redeeming us. Maybe just caution. I always like giving a fuller picture. Is that when we're led in the wilderness and we tested, whatever it may be, I know a lot of us have been experiencing things, is that there comes a time where it's almost like it's not the Holy Spirit who says it's enough, but it's when we have stood our ground and resisted the enemy, but we resist him by yielding to the Holy Spirit, to God. And when we've yielded and submitted and we resist the devil and he flees, the Holy Spirit says yes. And then at that, that time, the enemy leaves us. And in Luke, we are told that after Jesus was tempted, the devil left him for a while, for an opportune time, waiting. So even for you and for me, just because we've won one victory and now we're moving and we're doing well, the enemy has left us for a while. For a while. I was prayed for. I got healed. I felt the healing at the church. It was awesome. As I walked outside the door, I'm in the car. That pain struck again. He left you for a while. Resist. Resist and he will flee. I was prayed for and things seemed to be getting through and I got that job and I went to work and all of a the sudden they're telling me that for whatever reason, I don't even understand it. But somehow I sent the, the email, but they didn't get it. And that was a huge email. So I'm going to be fired. He left you for a while. Stand. Yield to God. Resist him. Because God will not let his children be put to shame. He will not let his children be put to shame. Why? Because when we have yielded, he attaches his name to us. And for his namesake, he will defend you and I. Amen? For his namesake, he will defend you and I. And the many blessings that is released on us, it's not because of what we have done, it's because of what the son has done, it's because of the promises he has made. Not with us, with himself. And he fulfills those promises in my life and your life, physically and spiritually to vindicate his name. And all we need to do is yield and submit. Amen? Whom he sends, he also commissions. He gives us this mandate, this message. There's only one message that every one of us have got. Every one of us has got. And we cannot go and change that message. And the message is very simple. Go and preach the good news of the kingdom. That's it. That's the message that Jesus came to share, and that's the message we've got. Wherever we go, the message has to be about the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Shall we read, uh, turn our Bibles to Isaiah 61? Sixty-one, and I'll read from one to two. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Will you read with me? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty of the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Stop. I know it continues, but in Luke chapter 4, Jesus reads this scripture, and he reads it, and he stops right there. I don't know why, but I've been trying to figure it out, and I'm no theologian, like a Bible school student, like Elder Anton here, but I was thinking, and I'm reading this, and I'm reading this, and one thing that stands out for me is that Jesus read this, and this is speaking in the first tense person. It is speaking in the first tense. And when you read the rest of the scripture, it is almost like this is what the person would do, but then he starts speaking about them and our and all of that, but the first lines is speaking in the first tense. And that's where we need to become. That's where we need to move ourselves. In that place of authority. Because when Jesus read this, he stopped right there, halfway, in the middle of the scripture, in the middle of the line, and he sat down. And everybody looked at him and marveled and said, who is this? All he did was read the scripture, but how he read it in the first tense, and he read it with power. He read it as he believed it. He read it as if it was being done. So when you read this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is what takes place. The word that we're going to preach, the message that we preach is twofold. People need to hear and people need to see. Our preaching, our singing cannot just remain in, in the hearing. Then it's empty, it's incomplete, it's half fulfilled. But the message of the kingdom is twofold. People hear it and people see it. How do they see it? Except that the, the sick are healed and they feel it and they see it. The lame walk, the blind see. They hear the message that, listen, the time has come for the captives to be set free. Those who were bound and oppressed by the devil. But what does that look like? Well, sickness is the work of the devil. Oppression is the work of the devil. Being bound and bent down and is the work of the devil. And Jesus says, I'm coming to set them free. And when that message is preached that the kingdom has come to set you free, the kingdom has come for you to be transported from the kingdom of darkness where the enemy ruled and reigned to be moved into the kingdom of his beloved son who has now defeated. So when we sing that he wears the victor's crown, it means he wears the victor's crown. It means that death no longer reigns, but life reigns. It means that at some point, death was the way of all men. But now life is the way of all men. And you and I are the carriers of that life. So you and I don't read in the third or second person tense. We read it in the first tense. It is I am here. And this is why I'm here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Me. Those who are going in evangelizing and are sharing the gospel, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. 
Believe it. Receive it. Accept it. Yield to it. Respond to it. And act on it. It is not you. You just have to do it. He does it. Because the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to do these things. So our job is to what? Do these things. And his job is to do what? Perform according to his word. All right. <laughs> so, scripture does encourage us in those ways. Jesus called his disciples in Luke chapter 9. Verse 1, and this is what he said, and this has shaken me to the core and has brought me to my knees over and over for the last three weeks. And he gave this message, and I don't know why, but this Holy Spirit, I believe, is doing something, and I'm yielding to it. Because Jesus called his disciples, Luke chapter 9, verse 1, the 12, and for those who don't believe that, you can count yourselves in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, where he calls the 70. And for those who think maybe the 70 are long gone, you don't believe that. You can count yourselves in Joel chapter 2, where he says, I'm pouring out my flesh, my spirit on all flesh. Maybe you're part of the flesh. <laughs> so we're all in it. We just have to receive it. But in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, he calls his disciples and he says to them, Shall we read? We can. Let's read it. I think it's a powerful scripture. Now Jesus called the twelve together. In amplif I'm going to read it in the Amplified. And he gave them the right to exercise power and authority over all, all, not some, not half, not different levels, all demons and to heal diseases. Then he sent them out. And as they were leaving, he says, preach the kingdom. Let the people hear. Preach the kingdom. Let the people hear. But don't stop right there. Perform healings. We've not been called to a word gospel. We've been called to a performance gospel. The gospel performs because God has given us his word. And God's word performs. Genesis 1 says, God said. And then we waited. And then we hoped. And then we trusted. And then he walked away. And then he went and prayed a little bit. And then he came back. And then there was a trickle of a sun. A little bit of light. No. God spoke. Let there be light. And there was light. There was light. Let there be. And there was. Let there be. And there was. And Jesus says, all power, that power of performance that power of death that the devil had 
and all authority that you and I were supposed to have in Genesis chapter 2. When God says he's given, he blessed man and he says, exercise authority on the earth. That we lost. Jesus says, all of that, everything else has been given to me. Now, now I'm sending you, go. You and you and you and me, Nikki, go and do the same. In what? In the same power, in the same authority. Not half of it. He hasn't given us half, not a quarter, but all of it. And if we escape, he says, Lord, I am with you always. Amen? The kingdom's message must be heard and seen. And that's my last point. And Jesus went about doing good, preaching the message of the kingdom and healing all who were diseased and sick and setting free those who were bound by the power of the devil. And he says we must do the same. And he calls us to do the same. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 9, and you can read it from 17, 18 as well. But the people, the other people, he sent more. So the disciples came back and they'd done miracles, but he sent another 70. The 70 came back rejoicing, God, oh my goodness, you won't believe it. I mean, we went there and we preached the kingdom of God has come to you. Be healed. And they were healed and we got there. What is this person possessed? Be healed and get out, you foul spirit. And the spirits came out and they came back rejoicing. It was awesome. I mean, we even just stood from a distance. In Jesus' name, you over there, be healed. And, and they were healed. And Jesus says, Wow, wow, you're getting it. You're getting it. It's exciting. It's wonderful. From my side, I even saw Satan fall like lightning because of the power that's been exercised, not by one man, but by many, but by sons, by daughters. Many are going out. Satan is falling off from his throne. But don't let pride get to you because that's what threw him out of heaven. Don't let pride get to you. It's not about you. The most important thing for you and for me, he tells them, rejoice in that your name is written in the book of life. That is the thing that we pursue. The miracles, the praying, the power, that is in our backpack given by him. We must use it. Amen? Amen? Father, we bless your word. We bless your word. We receive it. We embrace it. May we walk in it in Jesus' name.